Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I'm so lucky today to be here with Lynn Wolf. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Wendy Sue. <laughs> she has a lot of letters after her name. Actually, M-O-T, O-T-R. I-B-C-L-C. Tell us about those. Well, you know I have more letters after my name. It's longer than my name because my <laughs> name is eight letters and I, I don't know. know how many that is. What are all these certifications MOT and is a Master of Occupational Therapy. Okay. OTR is a Registered Occupational Therapist and I-B-C-L-C okay. is an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. So see, she's like super legit. <laughs> and so she's practiced occupational therapy, which means kind of supporting children and families to kind of what we kind of almost call the activities of daily living, things like eating, feeding, moving, um, strength training, developmental milestones for 35 years. <laughs> and she's been a board-certified lactation consultant since 2000. So do the math. That's like 17 years. <laughs> and she's on faculty at the Department of Rehab Medicine at the University of Washington. So we have ourselves a real pro. <laughs> um, and I'm really thankful um, that she's here. She does tons of speaking and writing about, you know, babies and how they eat. And she's the co-author of a book, Feeding and Swallowing Disorders in Infancy. So, Lynn, thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. This is lovely. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, as a, a mom of two who um, unsick, well, tried to breastfeed both of my boys and was very successful with one and had a very torrid story. This is, of course, near and dear to my heart. And and we were talking before that for me as a pediatrician, some of my most meaningful work comes with new parents at the transition of their baby being born through the, I think, exquisitely emotional and challenging experience of learning how a mom and baby can become a really good feeding pair. And, and so let's open by talking about, you know, kind of just the, I mean, let's talk a little, I mean, I think most of the public that's kind of listened to this podcast knows the benefits of breastfeeding, but let's just hammer through a couple of them. And then let's talk a little bit at large about challenges. Okay. So benefits. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the major benefits that we know is it is protective to the child in terms of their health. Yeah. And it helps particularly in terms of infections and things early in life. Ear infections are less. I mean, there's a whole host of things you probably know better than yeah, I do. Yeah, well, I'll interrupt. Yeah, we know that mm -hmm. kids in the first year of life who are breastfed are less likely to have recurrent or even a first-time ear infection. We know they're less likely to be hospitalized and have severe um, dehydrating, you know, stomach flus and bugs like that as yeah. well. And we know moms are, you know, the, like if you just think about it, right, moms are passing on this immunity, all these antibodies, these good infection-fighting little warriors mm -hmm. come through that breast milk. So we, we love that. And the moms are making those antibodies yeah. in the moment. So whatever is in the atmosphere around their home, the mom is making the antibodies and passing it right on to the baby. So yeah. it, it's I, I just think the symmetry of that's beautiful. Yeah. And what tell me, like, how do you look at kind of the the bonding experience or kind of almost like the spiritual experience that moms and babies have who feed? What do you think about those benefits? So I, I think those are the more complicated things because that's how mothers see it because that's how breastfeeding is portrayed. Every uh -huh. picture that you see of breastfeeding has a sort of a hazy glow about it. Right? <laughs> totally. And totally. it's like, oh, this is how I'm going to bond with my baby and I'm yeah. going to have this lovely yeah. you know, interactional experience. And when you talk to moms about early breastfeeding and getting mm -hmm. it started, that is not the experience that they have. And so they already have sort of a disconnect between what they're imagining and what probably is really going to happen. And so 
that's that's a challenge. That's a real yeah. challenge. And moms are not, you know, are not ready for that. They're not expecting it, quite frankly, because they've spent a lot of energy learning about the birth process and worrying about the birth process and trying to understand how they're going to get through the birth process. And they really haven't started thinking about breastfeeding yeah. until after the baby's born, even if they've taken a breastfeeding class. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. they, they've learned some basics, but but they're they're really it's really hard to grab all those things until you've actually tried it and done it. Yeah, and, and to hard. your point, I mean, I remember my first son, I mean, literally, like, hysterics every time he was at the, like, to the point that I would shake and cry and squirm. And, I mean, yeah. it was such an alarming experience where, mm-hmm. to your point, like, I had that hallmark, hazy glow, you know, glow.com. There's, like, that website. It has those gorgeous breastfeeding videos <laughs> or, like, images of moms. So I think we do come into it. And, mm-hmm. and I think you point that out nicely um, in your notes that kind of, the 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 essence of breastfeeding is it's it's it is quote unquote natural mm-hmm. and it is the kind of world's most perfect food mm-hmm. for a baby we mm-hmm. hear those mm-hmm. kind of i think heavy-handed mm-hmm. messages too but it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And and that's, you know, that that's sort of a disconnect. And in a way, you know, even when you take a breastfeeding class and you, you know, are learning about breastfeeding before you have your baby, I think there's a little bit of um, hesitance to talk about too much about the problems that you might have, because mm. I think that the worry is that that's going to lead moms to not want to try it. Do you mm. know what I mean? And nobody wants to set up barriers before you've even tried it and before yeah. you've started. That, you know, doesn't seem appropriate. And so then moms, you know, they're recovering from their birth. They're uh, emotionally and hormonally <laughs> in a different state than they usually are. And they're trying to do this thing that they don't have any skill and experience with the first time around. And it's not working as well as they yeah. would like. And, and they're emotionally just had a baby. <laughs> right? and, like there's that's that right, part. That's right. And, you know, very quickly, the, it seems like it, the baby is in distress in some way. Either they're crying and they're fussing yeah. and they're not settling down. They're hungry. And or you're finding out that they're not gaining weight. Well, yeah. I mean, and all of the these worst. things put yeah. tremendous pressure on moms. And yeah. um, I know, you know, you know the statistics about, you know, how many moms start breastfeeding and then how many moms, you know, give it up in the, shortly, you know, after yeah. birth. Well, so. and we know there's a, there's a significant, I mean, even working gets in the way, right? So we know there are different reasons people drop off from nursing. Right, right, Some right. people drop off early because they feel unsuccessful or there's, they don't feel mm-hmm. their supply is enough. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. kind of chaos and circus of mm-hmm. pumping and feeding and cleaning and supplementing gets a little outrageous. And then there are moms who, when they go back to work, we know that there's a lot of breastfeeding that falls off because workplaces aren't sometimes as hospitable and it's mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And then there are moms that maybe don't even persist as long as they even know, maybe that they know they could mm-hmm. after that six-month kind of golden time. And mm-hmm. ideally right to a year of age is what we always <laughs> want to tell families. But I'll be very clear. I wanted to breastfeed both of my kids for a really long time. And my first I was unable to do after severe complications and a hospitalization. And my second, he broke up with me when he did. That's right. And you know, that's a really hard thing for moms. I hated it. Because moms have this idea in their mind what they want. I wanted 12 months. That's right. Nine months he broke up. That's exactly right. He was done. That's right. That little jerk. guess what? He had an opinion about that. And he got to have that opinion. He did. I mean, I tried to, I mean, you know, like some of the things that we pediatric will do is like when a nursing strike, we're not going to talk about when a nursing strike comes and all these other challenges will come down the line is you kind of catch them when they're really dopey and sleepy. So you're just like shove them on the breast and you're like, just yeah, do it. Yeah. And I would like wake them up early and just put them on there. And he just, he was done. I know. Totally I, I broke know. up with me. But I, I always tell parents, especially first time parents, that's part of the deal. You know, the baby yeah. gets to have an opinion. I know. It's such an outrageous truth. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's talk about the difference. Um, how, so uh, the statistic I I've always told families, tell mm-hmm. me if I'm right, is that 90, 9 out of 10 women who mm-hmm. want to breastfeed will be able to breastfeed. Is that right? 
Well, that is a good question. Uh, that's not a. I, I kind of know I the statistics about how many people you know start out, and by three months, how many people are doing. What it is those? Months. Tell us those numbers. I think you know really the initiation rate is somewhere between eighty and ninety yeah. percent. It's really high, especially yeah. in Washington. It's really high. Yeah. And by three months, we're down to about fifty yeah. percent. And so you know, is it because they you know they couldn't or they didn't want to? And so that that would sort of say that it's not 90% of those who really want to that can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're talking about 90% of those who want to can for the first few weeks. Do you know what I mean? I hear a lot of moms who say, well, I breastfed for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not quite sure what your statistic exactly means. Me neither. Yeah. So we'll just throw that out. Sorry, team. Yeah. No, sorry, sorry world. But no, and sorry, all those patients. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, think, I think the motivator in that, right, is that mm-hmm. most women, despite the early challenges that mm-hmm. occur, will be able to be at least impartial successful at getting breast milk for their baby. Most moms that have early struggles in the first couple of weeks will be successful. Yeah. You know, that's the important part, that if you're struggling and it's hard in the first couple of weeks, don't give up. Yeah. It most likely will get better. So let's talk, let's break that down a little mm-hmm. bit. What are the typical challenges? And let's, I, I'd like to do it on timeline. So mm-hmm. when yes. you think about, so let's talk about first time moms yep. exclusively. Mm-hmm. First time moms, so first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the challenges like day Birthday of baby to day three right. or day five. Right. I mean, what, so talk, I think that's a days. really good place to start, actually. Yeah. So the baby's born, and typical maternity postpartum routines are that you get the baby to the breast within the first hour, called the golden hour. You mm. really want to try to take the baby's um, in, innate reflexes that are going to bring that baby up to the breast and get them latching to the breast mm-hmm. and put those to work. Mm-hmm. And so that's goal number one. And most babies will come to the breast and they will, you know, get on during that time. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you know, that's already a bit of a red flag that we need a little bit of extra help. And during the 24, 48 hours, whatever it is in the typical hospitalization, that baby should repeatedly come onto the breast and the mom shouldn't have excessive pain. Excessive pain, the baby not coming on, the baby being too sleepy, all of those are sort of red flags that that baby's going to need some extra help. Babies, yeah. But yeah, so so in and when you say needs extra help, so either for sleepiness or maybe fussiness or crankiness and not kind of wanting to latch or latching and causing a lot of discomfort. They're going to need somebody that probably is a lactation consultant that's going to come and look at it. And most maternity hospitals have lactation consultants on staff that, you know, the nurse or somebody's going to identify, come in and see this baby and this mm-hmm. mom. And with luck, they're going to be able to see that baby at a feeding time before they get discharged. And they're going to, you know, make an assessment of what's going on and give the mom some extra, extra help help and so forth. But the biggest challenge I think today is that um, babies go home at 24 and 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Mom's milk has not come in yet. And mm-hmm. so that baby is getting colostrum. It's not like they're not getting anything, but they're not getting, there's not a lot that's happening. And that whole system of milk production needs to really ramp up in those few days right after the baby comes home so that the baby can really start gaining weight and start start thriving and be satisfied because, you mm-hmm. know, colostrum's great the first day or so, but they're, not, they're not happy after yeah, that. Yeah, and they're hungry. They're hungrier right? yeah. than, than what they can get from yeah, the Yeah, and they'll act it too. I, yes. I mean, I see them yeah. in the office. So so at day, you know, let's talk about timing. So, yeah. and I know this is just bare bones stuff, but most women on their first pregnancy, if they have a vaginal birth, mm-hmm. milk comes in around day three, four? Three to five. Three mm-hmm. to five. Mm-hmm. And after a C-section, what's the timing? It's it's on the later end of that. It's closer to day four or five, maybe day six. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's usually on the later side of that. And then the subsequent pregnancies, it usually comes in earlier. A little bit earlier. And that's mm-hmm. just because the breast is mature and the ducts are kind of used to making milk or it what? It has to do with the... 
prolactin has laid down a lot of milk-making machi machinery that's in uh -huh. place there, the receptors. And yeah. so it's just a quicker system to get going again a second time because there's there's more there's more basis for the system to work well. Okay. And in the challenges in those first days, it's typically around latching, pain, and yeah. and sleepiness is mm -hmm. kind of one, that's yeah. the ones I've heard yeah. from you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. just as a call out on that, babies will get sleepier as they get a little bit more dehydrated and babies will get sleepier as they get a little bit elevated bilirubin or jaundice. So if your baby, and this is just something to remind parents, if your baby's turning a little bit yellow and isn't making any wet diapers and then is becoming a worse and worse feeder, that's a great time to check in with both a pediatrician and the lactation support right. so they can be evaluated and mm -hmm. decide what is it that's getting in the way. Right. Um, in most so you know you have your baby you potentially if you're having a little bit of a challenge you're going to see a lactation person in the hospital they're going to give you suggestions and then suddenly home you go yeah and then and, you're by yourself and you're by yourself and that's really the challenge for new moms um, and they feel really alone and when yeah. the baby starts crying and, and anything goes wrong they they, they reasonably don't they, they don't feel confident they don't know quite what to do especially if they don't have you know help around which a mm -hmm. lot of people don't these days yeah and so their um, you know sort of fears and anxieties around that are sort of don't help you know but but everybody does their best and and um, then on about day three or four they go and they see their pediatrician and find yeah. out how everything's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's good because then we can weigh the baby and get a little bit of support. That's right, and so so that does help them to know, okay, things are going well. The baby's begun to gain a little bit or is not, you know, still losing, and they can talk about whether the milk is in and so those kind of things. But if the baby isn't gaining appropriately, if the baby's continued to lose, and you know the 10% rule, yeah, um, the baby has lost more than 10% of their birth weight, people are going to become more concerned about the baby. So when people come, so let's go move on from the, the mm -hmm. kind of like four, day four or five and into mm -hmm. day 10. Yeah. The challenges then that can occur based on mom's anatomy, maybe based on who mm -hmm. the baby is. I mean, we were joking before. We were talking about how I had such challenges with one of my kids. And then my next kid, like no challenge. Like the kid mm -hmm. just like knew what he was doing. And I was like, wait, you're a different human being, right? So babies have feeding personalities, right? They, they, they do. They come, they come to the table with a set of skills of their own. And this is one of the other things I think about breastfeeding that makes it, I mean, it's, it's so dynamic um, because it's a duo. It's really a pair, a mm -hmm. dyad. And so the mom is bringing certain things to the table. She's bringing her anatomy, the, the size and shape of her breasts, what her nipples are like, how easy they are to latch to, um, how much milk she's making, how easy it is for her to make milk, how easy mm -hmm. to let the milk down. The baby is bringing um, their sort of state and personality. Are mm -hmm. they very sleepy? Are they, you know, gung-ho, the barracuda baby versus <laughs> the relaxed baby? Yeah. And they're also bringing their own anatomy to the table, their mouth, and, and how well they can open their mouth, how well they can move their tongue, how well they can latch onto the breast, whether they can respond to the soft tissue of the breast or whether they kind of don't know what to do with that because it doesn't give them enough input. So so you've got these two pieces and. That's one of the reasons it's always so different yeah. from one baby to the next. Yeah, and those personalities. I mean, I always I always joke with parents about these babies that are kind of sip sip and sleepers. Mm -hmm. Like they're mm -hmm. just like they have like a couple sips and they're so happy and then they just sleep again. Right. And there are these things like these pediatricians and I remember in training before I had kids and was a pediatrician in practice saying, like, oh, just kind of like tap their little feet and, and I'm like, no. Sometimes you rip their clothes off, you put a cold washcloth on their belly, you wake them up so they stay active and feeding because yeah, they get so sleepy. You really need to wake them up before they start. I mean, you have to make yeah. sure they. Start 
start woken up because yeah. if they're not really awake, they're not going to latch on. It's a very, very you know, you yeah. can't you can't stuff the breast in their mouth and get them to go. They have to be saying, ah, I want this. And they've got to be, as I say, an active participant, you know. I love that. Be, That's uh, nice advice. Thanks. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I've not even said that right to family. So, yeah, that having them really awake so that they're doing their job appropriately and kind That's of their right. best effort. That's right. And, you yeah. know, one of the things that I like to tell parents is that when the baby's at the breast, their job is to feed. That's what their focus should be. And you try to keep them focused on feeding. And then when they're done, they can sleep. Yeah. And so the breast is not a place to sleep. It's a place to eat. Yes, right. And when they start to sleep, to kind of get them off so they don't chew on a mom's That's nipple, exactly right, right, and make it sore. That's exactly right. Now, one of the things to understand about sleepiness is that it can be that the baby's sleepy, but usually it's that the baby's not getting milk. Yeah. And so if the baby's getting milk, the baby is usually going to be awake. Yeah. <laughs> and once they start going to sleep, it means, you know, you're probably not getting enough milk. Yeah. Now, that can happen at the end when, you know, oh, the baby's gotten enough milk and they're falling asleep. But if you're, you know, one minute into it and the baby's falling asleep, that baby probably hasn't gotten enough milk. Uh, to keep them kind of interested in game. So so as I understand it, some of the different support systems that are given to moms are nipple shields, mm-hmm. which can help with challenges with latching if a baby's not kind of getting the palatal mm-hmm. stimulation right mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. feel or if mm-hmm. mom's got an inverted nipple. Mm-hmm. There's a system that we use in our office and lactation, you know, um, Support will help families with called SNS, where you can add a little pumped breast milk through a little tube and put it behind a shield or even on a mm-hmm. finger feed, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. a parent mm-hmm. can give a little extra, kind of keep that baby mm-hmm. excited mm-hmm. and interested at Absolutely. breast. Absolutely. If the baby's not getting milk at the breast yeah. from the mom, we sometimes need to help give some milk to keep the baby interested and keep the baby at the breast. And yeah. we have devices to do that, like the SNS. Yeah. And and that's just, it stands for supplemental nursing system. It's just, it's a low-tech little syringe and little tubey that allows you to give a little, do your Am I saying it wrong? No, that's right. And SNS is actually a brand name. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's like me saying Kleenex. I just messed it up. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just supplemental call, oh, nursing system is a Medela brand. Oh, jeez. It's a Medela product, SNS. Yeah. So you're oh. making up your own little, you know, we're hacking tube it. and syringe. Yeah. hacking it. Yeah, yeah right. we're hacking it. But it works sometimes. And yeah. I think no, it, it, it takes does. that desperation right. away, both from mom mm-hmm. and from mm-hmm. baby sometimes, right. where that we just want to get milk, but we don't want to give up nursing. Yeah. And if mom's got a pump and she can mm-hmm. get some supply mm-hmm. and keep it going. Yeah. So all of these things, though, they, they've got their right place in their right day. And so you're yeah. talking about the tube and syringe, which is yeah. great. And I've used that with babies, particularly in the first few days, just to kind of keep things going. Dads are home. They can usually help with help. that and so forth. Yeah. But it's a two-person kind of a deal. And, you know, if if it's not working and things are not catching on, you know, quickly and you need to sort of keep giving extra milk at the breast, you do have to move to a more commercially available product that a mom can use by herself. And you have to get the mom trained to use it by herself. Yeah, and what's that? So you mean a bottle or do you mean? No, no, no. No, it would be an SNS or oh, fine, fine. so. So then you work in. It's because that's actually something that doesn't have the syringe that you have to push. That's actually a thing goes that on works, your on your uh, chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, so uh, so uh, yeah. Now I know the nomenclature. I'm in school. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and then I think um, can we talk a little bit about nipple confusion because that's a yep. really kind of we can grab term. Tell me, tell mm-hmm. us what that means and what the concerns are. So, so nipple confusion has historically meant that the baby was going to the breast and had a bottle and that uh, firm plastic rubber nipple in the baby's mouth, uh, suddenly the baby wouldn't come back to the breast. And they say, oh, he was confused. He got this artificial nipple. Now he won't go back to the normal nipple. But there's been a better way to talk about that um, more recently, and that is to call it nipple preference. And it truly is probably a preference, not a confusion. Mm. And so early on, you know, babies come to the breast. Remember, they have to, you know, they have to feel the 
breast and then they have to respond. They have to open their mouth wide. They have to stick their tongue out. They have to draw the breast in. Mm -hmm. It's a much more complicated initiation process than a bottle. Yeah. And it does take a lot of uh, sensory awareness and sensory responsivity because it's soft. It doesn't give them as much contact with the tongue and the mouth. They've got to work harder to do this. Mm -hmm. Then they get, and, and they may be struggling with it and it may be really hard and it may be really frustrating for them. And then we give them a bottle and then suddenly it's like, oh, I didn't have to open my mouth as wide. I didn't have to try to grab this thing and bring it in my mouth because suddenly it was in my mouth. And guess what? The milk came like this. It, I didn't have to wait and wait and wait for the milk. Mm -hmm. And so the baby says, wait a minute, that worked. That was, that, that was easier for me. Mm -hmm. And so then the baby says, I prefer that. Mm -hmm. I want that. I don't mm -hmm. want this. Mm -hmm. And babies are smart. I mean, yeah. they can make those preferences from very early in life. Um, you know, yeah, they, they can. And so, and some babies will have clearer choices than other babies early on. I mean, I have seen babies that literally have had, you know, one or two times with a nipple shield or, an, or, or a bottle that was really firm and put in their mouth, and they just wanted nothing to do with, you know, coming to the breast after so that. So are ways to avoid mm -hmm. that? Because I think moms feel really guilty about mm -hmm. the complex mm -hmm. space of a baby needs milk. Yeah. She can't maybe in those few days, mm -hmm, you know, those first mm -hmm, week or two, mm -hmm. isn't making enough. So really want to get baby what baby needs. Yeah. Don't want to use a bottle that mm -hmm, causes, mm -hmm. you know, preference to your, your Possibly. nipple. Possibly. Not every baby has You know, I know. No, I know. But I mean, like, but, but we all worry about it. That's right. So we all worry about it. So the S, the kind mm -hmm. of the tube way of mm -hmm. feeding is one option. And, mm -hmm. and and I think, are there other ways around it? Like, Well, some people use finger feeding, which is to put the little tube on the finger rather than on the breast. Yeah, we did that. In a way, you know, it's, in a way, it's very much like the bottle because yeah, you know firm. it's firm and it's easy to, to latch on to and so um, you know if if you're in the first couple days and you can keep the baby at the breast with using a little tube and syringe or something so that the baby stays on the breast I mean there is some preference to that but if you're not getting to where you want to go after the first you know week or so you often have to move on to something that's more practical quite frankly yeah yeah um, and which could be express breast milk in a bottle or it could be mm -hmm. bottle with supplemental formula I mean one of the things mm -hmm. I'll tell you that um, with really highly motivated families who are trying to nurse and are pumping and finger feeding and syringing and working with lactation, sometimes I, I have to say the strongest message I can say is any ounce of breast milk that you get in is great. Yeah. That's I mean, right. I just, at some point, too, yeah. and, and we want to be supportive. When things aren't working, we, we are asking families to do a tremendous number of Term things <sighs> that are really, really time-consuming. Yeah. They're just hard. And they're not sustainable. And so you yeah. really just have to keep looking at the situation to see this is working today. Is it going to work in two days from now? Yeah. And you have to keep getting ongoing advice because the advice you get on day three is going to be way different than the advice you're going to get on day seven. Well, one of the things you said before we mm -hmm. started recording to me that I loved was this idea when I, after my first son, and I'm not exaggerating world, I saw like eight lactation consultants yeah. in, in the yeah. first couple of weeks because things were going so poorly. And each time I had a different consultant come in, they had a little bit of a different bend or idea. Yeah, exactly. And one of your great pieces of advice, I think, is once you're past the first couple of days in your home, stick with one lactation consultant because yeah. your body is going to change a little bit as your milk mm -hmm, changes. Mm -hmm. Your baby's going to change and mm -hmm. develop even yeah. in the first couple of days yeah. differently. So having the yeah. same person reacting to those changes yeah. can be helpful. And particularly if your breastfeeding problems are more ongoing. So, yeah. you know, everybody needs some, not everybody, but a lot of people need help in those first couple of weeks. But if you're sort of going beyond two weeks and maybe you've seen a couple of lactation people and it happened to be, you know, one person this time and a different person and you're starting to get confused, see, you know, who you feel comfortable with and see if you you can continue to maintain your relationship with that person because I, I think there's a lot of benefit in in sort of sticking with one person who can guide you through this process. 
Yeah, I, I love that advice. And asking your pediatrician or family doc, midwife, or even your OB, you know, who they like working with is a really great start. And and then just, you know, going to the visit despite yeah. the drudgery of it. Because to your point, I mean, breastfeeding is a, like a full-time job. You're feeding every yeah. two to three hours. That's true. And it, and it can be up to a half an hour, an hour whole ordeal, particularly if you're pumping and finger feeding and, and you're going through some of those challenges. Yeah, and then there are just some women, right, who these babies do latch on really quickly. And I think what's hard for those of us, the experience of being a mom who has a child, Mm -hmm. alongside like I remember one of my friends um, delivered just around the exact same time Mm -hmm. I did and like her baby just popped on and that was that and he got big chubby cheeks and my kid was like scrawny for a couple weeks you know and it's a really horrifying feeling it it is and you know the whole we 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 monitor babies early sort of um how well they're doing by their weight you know yeah. I mean, that's such a big that's part the of it evidence of thriving right? yeah that's right it's yeah. evidence of thriving and, and the mother's job is to feed the baby so that they grow and that they thrive and so when the baby isn't growing well it puts tremendous pressure on the mom one they feel like they're not doing their job two they're worried about their baby mm-hmm. and so that you know adds another layer of, of, of incredible challenge to the whole you know breastfeeding and thing do you think stress on. causes milk supply to go down well, let's just say it doesn't help it go up. I know. I know. That's kind of a loaded question. But I do. I always feel like I always say to moms, I'm like, and so I'm about to tell you, you should just not be stressed. I was like, ha, ha. So, so know, there's another which part. Which is impossible. There, and there's another part of it, and that is that it's not just about making milk. It's about having the milk let down to the baby, okay? Yeah. So you have to, this milk ejection reflex, they call it. We typically just call it the letdown. Yeah. Because the baby has to come on, and they have to stimulate the breasts. And then that creates a hormonal response that then lets triggers the letdown response response for the yeah. mom. And it's a hormonal thing. And I do think that stress really can interfere with that, too. So it's not just about making milk. It's about yeah. letting having the mom be in a situation where the baby can get the milk. Um, sometimes that makes a difference. Yeah. Well, um, so we're talking here about the benefits, the profound benefits of breastfeeding, and of course, the profound challenges that come with it, particularly for first-time moms. Mm-hmm. Some of the golden rules and ideas that Lynn Wolf shared with us today, I think, are that first golden hour, that in an ideal world, if everything's gone well at your delivery, getting that baby on the breast in the first hour is a great way to just use the natural, innate um, reflexes of a newborn baby. You know, the different challenges that you'll face in the first three to five days, because you don't have a lot of milk versus five to 10 days and after 10 days um, are really different. And that's seeking help and guidance from a lactation consultant so they can really look at you and look at your baby feeding so they can advise you. Do you need a nipple shield? Do you want to use a breast pump and use a syringe for some finger feeding or some additional supplemental feedings and things? But getting that evaluation of an active feeding can really go a long way when there are challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we'll have much more in our next podcast about the challenges and great benefits of breastfeeding. In the meantime, know that the reality is parenting is a high stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.